0: This is The Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Omni Channel Marketer. This is Kate, your host. I'm here today with Brooke Harris, founder of Good Milk. Hi, Brooke, how are you?
1: Hi, Kate, I'm great. So happy to be here.
0: Likewise. And so, Good Milk is one of the best in quality plant-based milk companies on the planet. But honestly, Brooke, I know that you could explain that a lot better than me. So why don't you just kick things off by telling us a little bit about
1: what good milk is and you know what your product and kind of mission is? Yeah, absolutely. We set out really to scale homemade Quality plant based milks. And I don't know if you or any of your listeners have had homemade versus the stuff that you buy in the store, but it's incredibly different. You know, clean ingredient made with only real foods is like creamy and thicker and just this whole different experience. And when I tasted it and experienced it for myself, and I also kind of got there on my own health journey being plant based, thinking that I was eating foods that were good for me and finding out, wow, a lot of these plant based foods actually are not at all. They're full of a bunch of weird ingredients. And the almond milk that I was drinking at the time. And 99% of the almond milks on the market fit into that bucket of, wow, these are actually not healthy and they're making people really sick and they're processed in weird ways and happy to go down that rabbit hole. But we decided to change that and scale these homemade quality plant-based milks. So they're clean ingredients and we have two formats that are very unique. We have a frozen and our newest powdered format that we're super excited about. That's awesome.
0: So, yeah, tell me a little bit about your own personal journey to founding this business.
1: Yes. You know, I think with any food business, really, if you don't have the passion behind it, like it, (laughs) you will probably give up. Or what's the point? Because it can be so hard at times, you know, in food and beverage. But I got sick years ago and spent a couple of years going to doctors trying to figure out what was going on. And you know, did all these crazy tests and no one could figure it out. And at the end of it, it was just like, Hey, you're going to have to live with this and also take a supplement to be able to go to the bathroom every day for the rest of your life. You know, and definitely when you're in your twenties, like that's not (laughs) something that feels good to hear. So I got really lucky and met this holistic nutritionist. Like before, you know, we live in LA now, every other person's a holistic nutritionist, but this was (laughs) like before that time and sat down with her. And she helped me realize that the problem was the foods I was eating. And I was shocked because I, like I said earlier, I was plant-based. I thought that automatically meant I was making healthy decisions. And I went home and started looking at the back of packages for the very first time and realized, wow, a lot of these plant-based foods are not good for me. And and the one that broke my heart the most or was you know the hardest to get over was my plant-based milk, because I consumed it every day, multiple times a day, you know, first thing in the morning in my morning beverage, in my smoothie in the afternoon, on cereal, and didn't want to give it up and realized nothing on the market really, you know, they were all kind of the same. So I started making it homemade for myself. I literally Googled how to make homemade almond milk and started making it and fell in love with the taste and experience. But I don't know, have you ever tried to make homemade plant-based milk before? No, I haven't. I have
0: not. I do drink almond milk and it's not homemade. And I definitely need to try. I just, am, I'm laughing at the fact that you Googled it because another one of our founders Googled how to sell things on Amazon and you know, launched his <laughs> business that way. So that, like,
1: that resonated with me. I love that. You know, Google, how lucky are we to have Google this day and age, but the taste is incredibly different. The experience is so different, but it's a pain in the butt to make. So if you're doing it right, you have to soak and sprout the nuts and seeds for like a day. If you, you know, if you forget that they're in there, then they can go bad really quickly because they're sitting in water. And you blend and you squeeze it through this cheesecloth and your fingers hurt and you get like a tiny amount of milk. And it's so delicious that it's like gone in 10 minutes when it took you two days to make. So I, I quickly realized that most people weren't going to do this process at home and especially the people who who needed it, the people who were busy moms and had families to feed. And that's when we decided to start selling my first, the first place I sold was the local farmer's market. I showed up in, with glass bottles and started selling to the local community
0: tell me about you know, so started in farmers' market, and you know how did you think about channel expansion and kind of growing the business from there?
1: Yeah, you know, really lucky to start this business in Los Angeles where there's if your eyes are open, there's opportunity everywhere. And so started at the farmers' market because that's what I kind of knew. I had friends who had businesses at the farmers' market, like it's a pretty logical there's few steps to get there and really like, you know day 1 we sold out and within an hour and kept selling out and saw people go crazy for this product so realized there was something special there but it wasn't until through the farmers market very well known coffee shop approached me and and they weren't well known to me i don't drink coffee so it was almost like ignorance is bliss i didn't know how big the opportunity was and they asked me to make a barista blend for them and i said sure What's a barista blend? Um, and they wanted something, you know, that would blend well with their coffee, would steam and texturize really beautifully, give them the beautiful latte art. And so I went to work and made a barista blend for them. And that was our first, you know, toe in the door to this coffee shop world, where the especially now people are, you know, they're selling more plant based milk drinks than anything. And there's very few, very little competition. There's only like three three brands that can really play in that channel because there is a different performance requirement. And the products we're making blow the other ones out of the water just in taste and performance because they're, you know, they're very similar in nutritional profile to dairy because we use way more nuts and seeds which have protein and fat similar to dairy.
0: So, you know, is this coffee channel one that you look to grow or you know, how do you think about you, this first channel kind of came to you organically, you know, how have you thought about expanding, you know, either in that channel or across channels?
1: Yeah. You know, we definitely are making a bet on this channel for the next few years. It is, there's incredible opportunity in the channel. There's very few competitors. Our products really, we've even gone as far as to our most recent launch, which a lot of people don't know about. Kept it kind of quiet because we have some big partners launching with it, but we've created these water-soluble nutrient-dense powdered versions of our barista blends specifically to meet the needs of these coffee shops that you know want this high-quality product, need it to be ready and, and easily accessible quickly, need it to take up way less space. Um, there's a huge sustainability savings because we're able to cut out packaging waste. So we've now gone as far as to create products specifically for this channel.
0: What does you know, growing in a coffee specific channel look like? Are you going to trade shows? Are you reaching out? Like what, like, how does the growth of that channel happen?
1: Yeah, it's, we do go to trade shows, but, and there's networking that happens there. There's some really cool trade shows in the coffee world, but it's not quite the same as like an expo West or expo East really for, for us, it's been just door knocking. And my number one rule when we can get a meeting is to make sure that they taste our product with their coffee because the experience, I can sit here and tell, tell you how great it is. But once you taste it, the experience is just so different and so amazing that that's how we win them over. And so really it's been, our advantage has just been the product and I guess our willingness to, to door knock and and try and get in front of people and insist that they need to try the product.
0: Are you physically door knocking? Like how, you know, you have a physical product. How are you getting in front of these, you know, people in a way that you can get them to try?
1: Because you you know, you can can't do that over email. Yeah. So early days, absolutely. And you know, I was doing it most of it myself. I don't drink Coffee, but let me tell you, I've had days where I've had like six cups of coffee because I'm literally sitting through meetings. But for years, we door knocked and, you know, we do some, try and do some, some email cold calling. Sometimes that works here or there, but really it is just showing up and showing up consistently and asking for the right person. Now that we've been in the channel, we've had the opportunity to make a lot of the contacts that one would want working in this channel and we don't have to door knock as much. Um, and so for example, launch, preparing to launch this new powdered product, we had all of our like wish list of partners. We had their contacts. We were able to get in front of them. Our first and format that's currently on market is a frozen concentrate. So we're able to get in front of them because the product was so good, but some of them, the logistics of a frozen concentrate just didn't make sense. So now we're at a stage where, Hey, we have this really amazing solution and we have the contacts and now it's just kind of like picking our wish list of, of who we want to launch with. So, who do you think about as your customer? Given you have
0: this, you know, big B two B channel, you know, it looks like you also have a direct to consumer site. Who do you think about as your customer? And you know, how do you think about that customer and their end to end brand experience?
1: Yeah, well, you're probably already guessing it. it is a little bit of a different. I wouldn't say the end user is different, but it's a different conversation to get the milk in hand, right? When I'm going to talk coffee shops or having these coffee shop conversations. The my main driver for this was the wellness and health aspect, my main driver to create these products. The coffee shops don't care about that. <laughs> you know, it, it's a nice bonus, but most of them don't know about much in the wellness space and just, you know, aren't interested. So it's really the taste and performance and the sustainability that we're talking about and highlighting in those conversations. The wellness side is a bonus. But in our D2C conversations with our direct customers wellness the wellness piece is our number one conversation. So and a lot of those U2C customers, you know, are going to coffee shops getting good milk, not only because of performance and taste, but then they know that it's better for them. So we hear from a lot of our partners that people will come in and if for some reason they've run out, they'll even if they've waited in line, they'll walk out without getting a drink because they want good milk. And that isn't just a taste thing, that is they know that it's the best for them. So there's this really nice symbiotic relationship, but As far as the actual sales conversations, they are definitely different.
0: So how do you think about the future of scaling the brand? You have this, you know, amazing discovery channel as well as, you know, revenue channel, you know, via coffee shops. You know, how do you think about the expansion beyond that in the future?
1: Yeah, we, as I mentioned, we are definitely focusing on coffee shops for the next few years. But we, there's different opportunities in these coffee shops than being just behind counter. There's opportunity to be on their shelves at the and their retail locations. There's opportunity to partner with them for CPG products, which we've done with brands like Intelligentsia and Equator and Ritual Coffee. We've created these great instant lattes, and we're talking to future partners. So really taking advantage of those opportunities first, and letting that kind of you know, educate people on the good milk name and the good milk values in a really effective way. And, you know, one of our goals is to be known as the best quality milk or the best milk for coffee. And so there's no better way than getting, you know, kind of the sign off from these really significant partners, letting their customers know that they're using good milk. Because I think if you're a brand that plans to go, you know, be big in your category and go omni-channel to start in B2B, one of the biggest keys is you have to be branded in with those partners. And that's one of the things that we've been able to do that allows us to see this channel, You know, to kind of get the most opportunity out of this channel. So customers know when they're going into a cafe that serves good milk, they know that they're getting good milk. And that's a really important piece to feed into D2C and then eventually retail.
0: So talk to me about what like that branding looks like in a coffee shop. Is it you know on the on the menu what does that look like to the consumer
1: totally it depends on you know the chain or the shop some shops it's good milk on the menu most of them it's good milk on the menu or on their ordering app it says good milk almond milk and then a lot of shops will actually put our signage up you know point of sale signage or somewhere in their window saying that they're serving good milk really similar to how you see a lot of shops like advertising that they're using a local dairy it's become, you know, this badge of honor of like, hey, this is our quality standard. We use good milk for our plant-based milks.
0: When you were starting good milk, I mean, you know, literally at the farmer's market, did you envision going, you know, this B2B route or do you feel like it it more came to you organically?
1: It, it fell into, you know, there's certain things in your business journey where it's just complete luck. And, and that's what this was. It, it fell into my lap. I didn't even actually know the value of it for months. We were working with you know, working with this partner and I was a green juice girl. I didn't drink coffee. So I'd show up. I was doing the deliveries little, literally out of the back of my Jetta, pulling out these giant coolers of milk. People I would be in that. line here as I walked up because they knew I was delivering the the almond milk. And every time at this one location, the manager would be like, hey, do you want a drink? Do you want to drink? And I'd be like, no, I'm good. Finally, one day he's like, look, you should try a drink. Like I, we can make you a decent <laughs> a decaf, whatever you want. And I was like, I didn't even know what to order. He's like, cool. We'll make you a decaf latte. I got it, walked out, got in my car, took a sip and I got up and walked back in. And I went to that manager and I was like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, it's good. Right. And I was like, this is amazing. And he was like, it's the milk. <laughs> so it was that moment where I was like, whoa, okay, this, this might be something special. And that's when we started door knocking. I'm I'm just so curious,
0: like, cause I want to taste this very badly now? Is it the texture? Is it the flavor? I mean, I imagine it's a little bit of both, but what do you, what do consumers say is so exciting or different?
1: Yeah, that's the key, especially these barista blends made up by professionals in the coffee space. So it is the flavor in that we do side we ask to do side by sides in a lot of our meetings because when you taste the other guys, you realize it's chemicals. You are tasting chemicals that does not taste like almonds or it does not taste like oat. When you taste ours, it's just clean and fresh. And it works very similarly to dairy, where it's this like creamy. Little bit of sweet, but not a ton of flavor because you want to highlight the coffee. These people are roasting these beans, you know, sourcing and roasting these beans in a very special way. And so it really highlights the coffee. And then, you know, the microfoam and the latte art on top. That's a big part of the experience in third wave coffee. And it's really hard to get with plant-based milk. And with ours, because of that fat to protein ratio, it looks like a dairy latte, which is, if you don't know, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you do know, it's a really big deal. And so that like foamy, you know, microfoam experience that when you're drinking it is very different than other plant-based milks.
0: So Brooke, would love to hear something that you're bold or passionate about that you could share with our listeners.
1: Yeah, well, um, I tend to be pretty bold in my conversations around why we do what we do. And, you know, right before this, I had a call with a cafe that's switching over to good milk. And we're just talking about really, you know, if you walk this line talking about your competitors in business, but what drives us, us is not being anti dairy or being worried about people consuming dairy. It is the other plant based milks on the market. Mm-hmm. And especially since this oat milk craze has started to happen, it, is making people sick? And I am very unapologetic about sharing that information. <laughs> um, and it can feel intense, but you know it's something I'm really passionate about. people drinking canola oil processed you know malto sugar oats first thing in the morning drives me nuts. and if I can help just one person stop doing that, I'm happy to to be loud and annoying about it. Is it
0: because they're you know processed or is it the oat as the main ingredient that is the problem?
1: No, it's the, well, for most of these seed oils is the main ingredient or the second ingredient. And that's a massive problem, especially any oat milk that you're getting in a coffee shop. And then the way that they process the oats is they break them down using an enzymatic process. So it turns the oats, it takes the oats from this like whole grain, wholesome food into this sludge that actually is just maltose sugar. So there's an incredibly high blood spike that you get when when consuming oat milk and especially when you're doing it first thing in the morning, maybe on an empty stomach, drinking your latte. Mm.
0: Wow. Thank you. I like, did not realize that there absolutely has been a an oat milk craze. So yeah, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Is there... You know, for those who can't have access to good milk, you know, yet until you're, you know, truly like nationwide, what like what do you tell people to do for just, you know, better alternatives?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, if you can make something at home, definitely start to do that. And you know, maybe you you love the oat milk experience and don't want to cut it out completely, but Maybe do it less if you can, you know, once a week as a treat, or if you're not, absolutely not going to cut it out, at least have breakfast beforehand so that you can stabilize your blood sugar a little bit. But I wouldn't touch or give anyone that I love a box, like let them touch boxed oat milk. So I would just, you know, educate yourself and, you know, feel empowered around making the decision. And there's plenty of other solutions out there as far as you can make cashew milk. You don't need any special equipment. You can make it super easy at home. And it's really good. Thank
0: you for those tips. I appreciate that. Okay. So we're going to head into our lightning round here. Would love to just, you know, ask you a couple of questions, get your thoughts on a couple of different items. Okay. So favorite omni-channel brand?
1: Yeah. I would say, you know, I work in coffee shop, the coffee world a lot. So I would say Blue Bottle is one that I admire. Love them. Things
0: you wish you could change about our industry. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I start?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Inclusivity. Mm, Can you build on that? Yeah, I think beverage especially. There's not a lot of female leaders. It is changing, but you know, we are a VC-backed beverage company and my fundraising journey has been really difficult and intense, especially fundraising while pregnant and what I saw at that me and this was a year ago, so no, we're not talking we're talking modern days. Seeing how that factored into my ability to fundraise was pretty heartbreaking.
0: Yikes! I also raised venture while pregnant, though was able to hide behind a Zoom screen, so most people did not know. But yeah, can definitely resonate with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we made it to the other side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made it, and you know, we could probably have a whole other conversation about that topic.
1: Favorite podcast? Uh Swindled. I don't know if you know this podcast, but I don't. What's it about? It it's like about corporate and white collar crime. Uh, <laughs> so It's not um, educational at all, but it's really fun. But it's juicy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite newsletter. Yeah. That's, I I don't really read newsletters. They tend to just like, they're one of those things that come in the email that you just automatically ignore because you've trained your brain. <laughs> yep.
0: Some They're for some people and not for others. Yeah. Favorite social media channel. Instagram for sure. Is Instagram, is that a large presence for the good milk?
1: It is. And it's been a great way to build our community. And for me as the founder, it's a great way to like, you know, inject all of the things that I really care about. Yeah. Favorite book? Alice in Wonderland. Classic.
0: Favorite event that you're going to this year?
1: Yeah well, hopefully a vacation. I'm working on planning one of those, but we have a a few of those coffee events coming up in next month in New York is Coffee Fest. So excited to see some faces and and show people our new powdered product. Amazing. And Brooke, where can people connect with you? You can go to our website, goodmilk.co and that's G-O-O-D-M-Y-L-K.co or find us at Co. on Instagram where we're super active.
0: Awesome. Brooke, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for your time. If you liked this podcast, follow me and the Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.